0: You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. or learn more about us online at theriverdurant.com.
1: Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Timothy chapter two and verse one, 1 Timothy two, verse one. Good to see all of you here today. It's good to be here today. I live for church. I'll be in church at 8 o'clock in the morning. I'll be in classes. Bible school is just church on steroids, y'all know that, it's just, it's just on, really intense.
0: <laughs>
1: we talk about the Greek and the Hebrew a lot, and I know a little Greek. Guy runs a little restaurant down the street, a little short guy. He's my hero. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> First Timothy 2, 1. And I could read at length, at length from this passage, but I'm not going to. But I don't mind if you go ahead and do that. Just try not to do it while I'm preaching. <laughs> but you need to read. Any time I pull a verse out of Scripture, I, I encourage you, if I pull a verse out, I encourage you to read all the verses around it. It just, you know... Just so you know, I'm not one of those that pulls verses out of, text, out of context to try to prove something that's not in, really in the Bible. But this is not pulling it out of context. It's, it's, it's just a list he makes, the Apostle Paul. If you will remember, the last two, last two sessions we had together were really heavily about the blood of Jesus. We talked a lot about the blood of Jesus because we were in Hebrews chapter nine and it's just a heavy passage concerning the blood and, and its power and the efficacy of the blood meaning what it has power to do for you. And, uh, and why the Bible is full of this, blood, this thing called blood sacrifice and why it seems to have to be there, and why religion hates it and tries to act like it doesn't exist and one of the, one of the great denominations wrote all the blood songs, took all the blood songs out of their book. Right. Even, even, even songs that one of their founders had written, wow. they took them all out, saying it's arcane, or archaic, I should say. They're saying it's archaic, and, uh, and that uh, it was a slaughterhouse religion, they said. Well, pardon me, pardon me. The New Testament is full of this, this talk, and there's a reason for it. Now, I talked to you last week again. This is, this is not really part of the series that we did on the blood, but it leads us to this point. What, what does it do for us? Well, it brought us forgiveness, forgiveness for one thing, And what what it's doing for us right now is it keeps as a reminder to to the Father that we are forgiven. His holiness dictates Him to act a certain way. God is holy. So He is predisposed to act a certain way toward error. Okay? He's predisposed to act a certain way toward error. Or sin, or anything like that, because of his strict character of holiness. But having made man like he did, and finding that man was flawed in some way, especially after he sinned, where we were all born flawed. You did not learn how to sin; you were that baby crying in the middle of the night, waking your parents up without without compunction, whatever of their need for sleep. Okay. We were born selfish, born self-preservational. And uh, that just is part of the fallen nature. <laughs> but when man, when man wakes up to his need for God, which comes usually quite early. That's why Jesus said you come into the kingdom like a little child. Children, children get this idea pretty soon. You raise a kid in church, pretty soon they're going to walk the aisle, raise their hand, confess Jesus. They're going to do something. They're going to get saved if you raise them in church. They're going to make this right. What's right for them is just to believe it, of course. But they're going to do all they can to believe that what Jesus did was, was for them. And so what is the outflow of that? We've turned to 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, and it's a passage on prayer. A passage on prayer, and we're going to talk about what prayer is. Prayer, number one, is not thoughts. That's called meditation, which most of the body of Christ does not do enough of. Prayer is not meditation. Meditation is thoughts. Thoughts wrapped around the scriptures, thoughts wrapped around the spirit, thoughts wrapped around God and your relationship with him. That's meditation. It's good. But I went to a prayer meeting one time a number of years ago, a number of years ago. I've been going to prayer meetings a lot, a lot, my whole life. I was invited to a a prayer meeting by a CFNI graduate. He was actually a student at the time. And I was a student at the time. And I was used to the way we pray at CFNI. When anybody stood up to pray, you could, never, you could hardly ever hear them. Because everybody's praying. Right. Ah! I mean, they're in it to win it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Guy stands up and says, let's pray. Whoa! The whole place just roars to life. It's still kind of that way. You say, well, I would have agreed with him if I could have heard him. <laughs> just, I'll pray. I'm not, I'm not making fun of that. I'm just saying that's how they do it. Right. Just roars to life. That's what I was used to. They took me to this Wednesday night prayer meeting at a local church in the area. They stood up there and they read this lousy litany of licentious (laughs) lowliness. They did, all the things. We gotta pray for sister so-and-so because she's doing this and this and this and this. Brother so-and-so because he had that and that and that and that and that and brother so-and-so because that happened and I mean it was just terrible, terrible things happened to these poor people. They said, now let's pray. We got down on our knees. We, we got down on our knees. They said, everybody find a place of prayer. We all got down on our knees. And the place fell silent. Even the leader didn't do anything. The leader didn't say a word. You know what I did? I joined with them. I thought, I guess this is how they pray. You know what I did in my mind? This silent prayer that they encouraged me to do? All I could think about was how bad everything was in these people's lives. I just kept hearing that cancer and that divorce and that baby dying and all that stuff. I, I just kept hearing all that in my head. There wasn't any faith happening. There wasn't any words. It was all thoughts, and all I was thinking about was how bad it was for these poor people. And here, in a little bit, the leader stood up and said, "Okay, now we have put it in the hands of God." I said, "When did we do that?" <laughs> I didn't, I didn't say it out loud, but I was thinking, when did we do that? I don't think it left my mind to go to God's hands. It, it's still in my mind. Yeah. Nothing ever happened. Are you hearing me? Yes. Amen. Yes. The reason why we were taught about silent prayer is because somebody hadn't read the Bible. That's
0: right.
1: That's right. Now, I know what you're thinking. Some of you said, I pray silently all the time. That's fine. Do what you want to do. But you didn't come here to hear me talk about that. If you already got it down.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: If you ought to know how to do the wrong thing, you didn't come here to hear that. I'm going to tell you what the Bible said. I didn't call, I, I wasn't, I, I'm not here to, teach, to validate what you do. I'm here to validate what the Bible teaches us. And the Bible teaches us that there's a difference between meditation and prayer. And prayer is words, yes. Amen. not thoughts. Yes. I'm going to prove it to you with this text. Yeah, that's good. I exhort, therefore, that first of all supplications... Prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving. I'm starting a series of teachings today called On Prayer with those four letters. S P I T. Prayer is not thoughts, prayer is words. Spit it out, for Pete's sake, spit it out. That's where you start. Spit it out. You need something from God, tell Him what you need. Come on, come on, come on. It's all right to be a little bit noisy. When I get noisy, sometimes I spit spit when I preach. So I guess that's why there's so many empty seats on the front. (laughs) (laughs) Spit it out. it starts with supplication. Supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving. I'm not saying that you're always going to know exactly what to say. And that's why most of us, that's why most people, don't pray more, I think they're afraid of what they might say, and might say the wrong thing. But you know your, your father loves you. Yes. And you know that a little kid doesn't have to know how to speak real well to, to come to his father right. and ask for something. You know, they don't have to know. Maxwell, our, our baby baby, the four and a half year old, he asked for things. But he never asks for things. He asks for things. Things. I want that thing. I want that thing. He's from North Texas, you know. So he doesn't really say thing. He said fang. I want that fang. <laughs> I want that fang. And I know what he wants. I mean, he, he, he's not exactly perfect in the way he asks. But I understand him. He knows he has a right to certain things, Things. <laughs> I was thinking about it, a guy I worked with on the Santa Fe Railroad, I, I'm an old railroader, I spent 10 years as a brakeman and conductor in train service, they call it. And uh, I, loved the, I loved the job very much. Especially as a young guy, I loved it a bunch. And we had, I was not, back then, conductors didn't run, didn't run the engines. They ran the train, they were in charge of the train, But the Engineer ran the engines. Now it's all one thing. They all do it all. But back then, the engineer was a separate service than the train service. And the conductor was actually the boss of the train, and the engineer was boss of the engines. So they worked together. And engineers really varied in quality. (laughs) One conductor was just about as good as the other. But engineers were a whole different animal. They varied in quality drastically. We always wanted to ride. Everybody wanted to catch a train with a guy named Bob Piercy. He's gone on to his reward now. I don't even know if he was saved. But Bob's gone on to his reward. So I'm using his name to honor him. Bob Piercy was the finest engineer on our stretch of railroad, which ran between Gainesville, Texas, and Purcell, Oklahoma. And had an interdivisional run that went all the way to Arkansas City, Kansas sometimes. This guy was the elite of the elite, and everybody knew it. All the other engineers knew it. I rode with him one time on a train that was 124 cars long. That's 12,400 tons. 12,400 tons of freight we were hauling that day. 124 cars plus a caboose. And I was on the engine with him. It's virtually impossible on that stretch of railroad that I'm talking about, between Gainesville, Texas, and Purcell, Oklahoma, because it's, you know, it's plains, but it's still kinda hilly in places. Virtually impossible not to have what they call the slack run in. I'm I'm gonna get a little technical with you, so hold with me. Every, every joint between cars there's a knuckle and a drawbar. I don't know if you know anything about it, but there's some space in there that gives, that gives like this. And it can, give, it can give six or eight inches between every 50-foot car. So you can imagine what he's dealing with with a train that's, that's got all that snake in it. This guy drove a 124-car train like one unit. The slack never came out It it was tight like a passenger train, tight like that all the time. So when the engine was moving, the caboose caboose moved exactly at the same time. Nobody knew his secret. He was amazing. He just had worked it, worked it, worked it, understood. He, he, He could feel the difference. I play guitar. If you're a guitar player, you know what I'm about to say. You can tell whether you're playing an expensive guitar or a cheap guitar blindfolded. If you play enough, because you can just tell. You can just tell the way it feels. That's how he was. And by the way, Brady knew the, the balls were deflated. You can't handle a ball as often as he does and not know. <laughs> Any idiot can figure that out. He knew. Now, whether it would have made a difference in the game, nobody really knows that. But he, but he, he knew. He knew. Even his fans know he knew. Stop denying it. He knew, he knew. Because Bob Pearson knew what was going on with that caboose over a mile away from him, a mile and a half from him. He knew what was going on in that caboose. It was exactly what was going on on the engine. There was no engineer on our, our piece of rail like him. And I finally got a trip with him. I hadn't, because re- had, I was on the extra board, young guy, you know. And, I finally got a trip to Arkansas City, Kansas, with him. 261 miles from Gainesville, it was amazing. Rode, it was like riding in a car. The slack never ran in. Did you this way, like he did all the other engineers? You got this thing all the time. You had to really be careful. Not with Bob Piercy. You're riding smooth the whole way. And he's look over at him, amazed, thinking, "How do you do this?" But he's working all the time, working that air, and, and ah, amazing. He was. Fun to watch. If you've ever been around anybody who knows how to handle heavy equipment and they're expert at it, it's an amazing thing. He drove it like he was driving a VW Beetle. (laughs) He was in control of the whole thing. I got to ride with him. The next trip, I didn't catch him, of course. I'd been working for four years before I got to ride with him. He was much sought after. I caught a different train the next time out, and I was on the t- on the caboose with uh, with an old old conductor, and we we're just going like this the whole time, back and forth, back and forth. Hold on, hold on, the whole the whole way. And I said to the old conductor, I said, "Man, this ain't li- like riding with Piercy." He said, "No, it's not." I said, "I rode in my last trip with Bob Piercy, 124 cars, and the slack never never ran in." He said. I know, he's amazing. He said, but you should have been here when he was young. I said, why? He said, he tore up every every train he got on. He said, you don't get as good as he is without tearing some stuff up. I want to make you all master askers. I want to make you master askers. I want to make you masters have a master's degree in prayer, praise God. But you're going to tear some stuff up, probably. You're probably going to make some mistakes. You're probably going to say, say some things that, that, I didn't mean to say that, Lord. It's all right. Go ahead and tear a few things up. Go ahead and get yourself in trouble. Because if you come out an expert asker, Amen. your life will never be the same. Yes. Are you hearing me? Yes. It's all right. Good. I just validate anybody praying. Yeah. If you, as long as you'll be taught. As long as you are, are, are correctable. You've got to be correctable. You've got to be teachable to go anywhere in the kingdom of God. No matter how long you practice practiced what you know, if it's not taking you better, making you better, then why are you doing it? I played the guitar for a group of students one time. Well, for the entire chapel service it was. And a day or two later, my students came up to me I was over in the cafeteria, Dr. Holly, you're amazing. You're just, ama- ah, it's awesome. I said, no, 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 stop that, stop that, I'm not amazing. Yeah, 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 you're amazing. And they're all a bunch of guitar players. I said, stop that, I'm not amazing. You listen to me. I've been playing the guitar for 47 years. If you do anything for 47 years and don't get good at it, you're just stupid. <laughs> 47 years, you ought to know what you're doing, <laughs> right? If you don't get good at it after a while, you need to change what you're doing. <laughs> I find that all over the body of Christ, people don't know what, about prayer. They don't know how to pray. Yeah. Because they don't do it enough, to, because they're afraid of making mistakes, they don't get good enough at it. Good. So they've just given up. I want to release you into this. Yeah. Notice the first thing, supplications. The word comes from deesis. The Greek word is deasis. And it simply means a petition, a request, a request for supply, supplication. Supplication, when I was growing up in the church I was raised in, the, church, the, the, the the kind of people I was around, which were wonderful people of God, but they taught me the prayer was, oh, oh, oh make my supplication. This begging the Father. Begging the fun. Now listen, if, you break, if your heart breaks and you cry when you pray, that's okay. I'm not making fun of that. But I'm saying, you don't have to be in that position for God to hear your prayer. He is not moved by tears, anything so much as He's moved by faith. He's not moved by need like He's moved by faith. Are you hearing me? If He's ever moved by need, that was not because of how well you performed. If He's moved by your need, that's because of how stupid you were. If he's ever moved by your need, he answers your prayer in spite of you. If if your need moves him. When you read the Bible, God wasn't moved by need. He was moved by faith. He was moved by faith. He had compassion upon them. And the, the compassion would move him to do what? To meet their need. But it wasn't because of their need altogether. It was because it would activate his faith. When Jesus walked the earth, he was moved by compassion, but his faith would kick in. Because faith works by compassion, or faith works by love, the Bible says. Are you hearing me? Amen. So you have a need for supply, and I love the fact that supply is the first thing mentioned here. Mm-hmm. Supply is... F- God knows what you really want to pray about. He, he knows we're all instinctively, and personally, and fleshly selfish. Yeah. And if we've got stuff we need, it's hard for us to pray about anything else until we get our stuff dealt with. Yeah. I've heard so much teaching and preaching on prayer. About, don't bring your need before God, don't bring your stuff before, come and worship Him first. Okay, okay. But sometimes if you're in the middle of a car wreck, you ain't got time to say, oh Holy Father. Sometimes the supply is needed right now. (laughs) he put supply first he put supply first now I'm not saying you have to pray it that way I'm just saying it's okay to if you come to him and you just say father in Jesus name I come to you and I believe mm, I believe for my blessing of finances, health protection, whatever it is whatever you need I send the word out there in Jesus name bring, for angels to go and find my stuff and bring it here to me. Maybe. You can talk like that. Mm-hmm. About your supply. Because how many of you know we have needs almost every day. When Jesus taught us to pray, he taught us to start with Holy God. Hallowed be thy name. He taught us a, a formula. That's the best way to do it, but did you notice in this list, supplies is first, not praise is first. Right. Okay, so I don't, think it's a, I don't think it's all that Important how you go about it. It is crucial that when you ask for supply, that you speak to God in thanksgiving terms. See, these four things, S-P-I-T. The supply is you praying about what you need to pray about. And there's nothing wrong with that. P, it says prayers. We're going to get to that. We're going to talk a lot about prayers. Prayers, that's you talking about what God wants to talk about. I when I, when I, when I think about praying the prayers, it says here, I find the prayers of the Bible and talk, and talk to him about those. We're going to go through a list of the prayers of the Bible. These are the prayers that are in there for us, to, for us to imitate. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Well, how does he follow Christ? There are several of his prayers in the Bible. And they're there so that you can pray prayers like that. And that way, you're going to be praying about what the Lord wants you to pray about. You follow me? Because that supply thing is not what the Lord wants you to pray about. That supply thing is what you want to pray about. And He's okay with that. But the prayer thing is about what God wants you to pray about. And the intercession is what everybody else that knows you wants you to pray about. (laughs) Put me on your prayer list. You ever had anybody, you ever had said anybody, somebody, Samuel right here said, you think me, pray for me. What's he asking? He's asking for my intercession. Yeah. Or in some, in point of fact, my interdiction. He wants me to stand in between his, his situation and him. Yeah. Is that okay? Amen. I'll do it if you'll pray for me too. All right, praise God. Now we've got a covenant going. Amen. Amen. Intercession is about you praying about what everybody else needs, what other people need. And the thanksgiving covers all of them. Thanksgiving works with all the other three. Praying what you need and want, praying what the Father needs and wants, and what others need and want. It's all covered right here. S-P-I-T. But don't think about it. Come on, what are we gonna do? Spit it out. Amen. Thanksgiving. When you thanks, when you give thanks after you've asked for your supply or after you've given intercession, and we're going to talk about all these things in, in, in detail in the weeks to come. But when you do that, you're sealing it, I believe, in faith. Thanksgiving, before you see the answer, Thanksgiving is your heart saying, I believe I already receive it. Me. Help you here for just a minute. What is your name? Heather. Heather? My daughter in law's name is Heather. <laughs> Heather? Would you ask me for $20? Would you ask me for $20 if I asked you to? I'm, a- I- I'm asking you to ask me for $20. Okay, may I have $20,
0: please?
1: You said please.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I work alone. <laughs> no, no, <that's> not true. <laughs> <clears throat> you asked me for $20, yeah. but I haven't given it to you yet, because I have still have the option. I still have the option to give it to you or not, Heather. Are you a first-time visitor here? You've been before, but first time. I'm so glad you're here. (laughs) 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 What? (laughs) What? (laughs) What? There is a way for you to get it. There is a way for you to get it where, I can't turn it where I can't say no. There is a way for you to get this where I can't say no. Because I, but I require something of you. Not saying please, but saying what? Thank you. When you say thank you, that tells me you believe you already have it. Because when you're thinking in advance, when you're thinking in advance, your heart is saying, oh, I, I have it. Whether you see it or not. But then you have it. God bless you, Heather. Thank you for coming to church. Now, I want you to go tell every, everybody you know. I go to a church where the preacher gives money away. <laughs> Amen. Thank you for helping me. See, in a, in, a co- <laughs> in a covenant, in a covenant, when the thanks is already happening, whoo, Amen. that obligates the giver. So always with thanksgiving, whether you're in supplication, prayers, intercession, always bathe it all with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Because thanksgiving obligates the giver. I thank you, Father. Now, so what, so what does that do for you praying? You pray about your healing and you don't see it? What do you do? Pray again, ask Him for more? No, you're wasting your time. Start thanking Him for, that you receive it. I believe I receive it and I thank you for my healing, Father, right now. Thank Him, thank Him, thank Him, thank Him. That obligates God. You, 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 just, you just see if it doesn't obligate God. You can judge God. You can judge God. God. Because Sarah did. But you can only judge Him one way. Hebrews 11 said, Sarah judged God faithful. She judged Him faithful. She, she made an assessment of the Almighty and found out one thing for sure about Him. He's faithful. She judged Him faithful. And when you give thanks, oh, glory to God. That just went all over me. When you give thanks, you're judging God faithful. Yeah. Faithful. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking all over right now. I got the, whoo, those Holy Ghost doodads. <laughs> I judge him faithful. No matter how many, no matter how many days go by between the time I ask him for it and thank him for it, and the time I see it, it doesn't make any difference if it's days, weeks, or months or years. All that matters is that I thank him and I judge him faithful. <laughs> supplications, supplications. What this kind of teaching does for you is it increases your faith. You hear the word on it, it increases your faith. Amen. Words don't make things happen. Words makes make faith grow, yes. and faith is what makes mountains Amen. move. Faith is what moves mountains, and what we've not been taught. We've we've always been taught that faith moves mountains, but we've not been taught how to get faith. Yeah, that's good. We've not been taught how to get more faith. How you make your faith grow? We just we just we just hear the religious people say, "When the faith is you, I had all the faith in the world, and it didn't happen." They had all the faith in the world, of course. Faith is supposed to be in God. Faith in God makes things happen. And if if it's not happening, then it's just a faith issue. And you're in control of your heart, you're in control of your own faith you get what you believe. Your life will go in, come on, somebody help me. Your life will go in the direction of that which you truly believe and what you believe is di- dictated by what you constantly confess and what you constantly hear. You just keep saying it, just keep saying it. I thank you, Lord, that I receive my healing. I thank you, Lord, I receive my miracle. I thank you, Lord, I receive my money. I thank you, Lord, I receive my good blessings, blessings of every kind that are coming upon you. You thank Him in advance, He's obligated then. On His end of the covenant, He's obligated to perform what you prayed for. Hallelujah. Now, he's going to do it in his time. He's going to do it at the right time, but I'm tired of waiting. So I thank him more. I just pile the Thanksgiving on him when I get. How many of you have been, been tired of waiting? Yeah. Huh? Come on? Yeah, I may not be the right preacher, but this is the right message, yeah. apparently. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. And we're going to look at the first mention of the word ask in the Bible. A S K. The first mention of the word ask in the Bible. First mention of the word A S K, ask, in the Bible is in Matthew chapter 6, and verse 7. Now, here's what it says But when you pray, Use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. Oh. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. This is not talking all, all together about uh, uh, praying like, Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Now, I've done plenty of that. You have too. Don't look so religious. Don't even duck. Just look straight, straight ahead. We have, we've, we've all been there. I don't think he's talking about that so much. I think he's talking about repeating over and over and over over a period of time even the same prayer for the same thing. There ought to come a time where you get done with asking for it and think that God's going to hear you because you prayed more. You prayed hard. You pray hard. I was told to pray hard when I was young. Pray hard about it. (laughs) How do I pray hard? Prayer all by itself is pretty hard for me. Because I get down on my knees thinking I'm gonna pray for an hour, and you know, I pray around the world and look up at the clock, and seven minutes has passed by. It's already pretty hard, praying hard, seven minutes. (laughs) Come on, am I in the right house? You know what I'm talking about. It's not about repetition. It's not about how much you do it. It's about about that you do it. And that when you do it, you do it in faith. Some of the greatest prayers in the Bible are real short prayers. Real short prayers. The heathen had been cutting themselves, pouring blood on everything, and crying out, for the fire fire to fall from heaven upon their sacrifice on Mount Carmel. 450 prophets of Baal. They had themselves a regular prayer party going on. They were praying loud. They were praying long. And there's a time to get loud. There's a time to get long. But this apparently wasn't it. They made their sacrifices. They did all they needed to do to make this happen. In the King James Bible, Elijah gets up there and prays a 69-word prayer. I think New King James is 67 words. And fire falls out of heaven. Fire falls out of heaven. Wow. Wow. I wonder if they were heard for their much speaking, or if they were heard for their faith. There was only one guy who had faith in the whole place, right. on the whole mountain. Apparently, only one guy. There was a bunch of them that were going ho, oh, oh, ho, oh, oh, ho, Baal, ho, oh, bail, ho, oh, bail, ho, oh, bail, ho, oh, bail, over and over and over, and nothing happened. Elijah. Sixty-nine words. Be not like the heathen, which think this shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not therefore like unto them. Verse eight: For your father knows what things you have need of before you ask him. That right there is the first time the word "ask" is in the Bible, in the New Testament, I should say, in the New Testament. Then Jesus goes on and teaches, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Now there are three power-packed things in this. this he's in the supplication part. He taught us with this model to praise the Father, talk to Him about His kingdom, and then go right to what you need. Okay? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is. Let me ask you something. When he's asking about thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, how many of you think the will of God is being done in heaven? Oh, yes. I've got two people that believe that. <laughs> Does everybody here believe that the will of God is being done in heaven? Yes. 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 The Republicans out of the room think so? <laughs> okay.
0: <That's
1: right. laughs> yeah. The will of God is being done in heaven. Jesus said, pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy will be done, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is being done in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. That means there are no sick folk in heaven.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Amen.
1: I like it. So I'm through being sick. Yep. When I get a hold of that, in my spirit and in my tongue. That's right. That's right. We have to fight it. You fight it however you want to fight it. Fight it using a doctor. Fight it using the medicines. Fight it standing, standing on your back porch in faith. I don't care how you fight it. But use your faith for all of those ways. Yeah. Use your faith for all of those. Fight it with your diet. Go right ahead. But you still need to bless that lettuce. Amen. Yeah. I'm going to bless my bacon. You bless your
0: lettuce.
1: <laughs> Amen. You've got to fight it. Fight the good fight of faith in all means. But Jesus said here, you can ask for your provision. That which I want, that which I need, my daily bread, I pray about that. In verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's about your pardon. Provision, pardon, that's still supplication. That's still part of your supply prayer. Verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. That doesn't mean that God would actually lead you to be tempted by the devil. That's talking about the, 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 the trials and tribulations that the devil brings. Protection, provision, pardon, and protection. Provision, pardon, and protection are all part of your supplication prayer. Pretty much everything you're gonna pray about falls under these, these categories. Provision, pardon, and protection. If I got that working for me in supplication, I've got just about everything I need. Provision, pardon, and protection. It's a good, powerful thing to think about here. I was, uh, years ago I was called to a family's house because the mother-in-law had called me, mother-in-law of a young woman, who had just started our church. Her husband was raised in that church, but he was really, really out of fellowship and not walking with the Lord at the time. And they had just gotten married. Well, no, they'd been married a little while. They had they, they just gotten news that they were expecting a few months before. And when she got in the mama way with that baby, she started a church and started coming with her in-laws to our church. And the devil attacked her just right after she started church. I'd just gotten to know her a little bit. Mother-in-law called and said, would you go over to see Christina? She said she's had a bad report. I so said, what is it? Well, they said the baby's in a bad way. They, they don't like the way the amniotic fluid looks. They're, 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 they're recommending uh, termination of the pregnancy. I said, abortion? said, yeah. I said, but she's not going to do that. But that she's really torn up and broken up about this, about the possibility of this. So would you just go over there and pray with her or whatever? I said, sure, I'll go. So I went over to the house, and there they both were in the house. When I stepped up on the porch, the moment I stepped up on the porch, I heard from the Holy Ghost this verse of Scripture. Verily, verily, I say unto you that whosoever shall send to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and yeah. shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. That's Mark 11, 23, and 24. If you don't know those verses, you need to mark them in your Bible. Mark 11, 23, and 24. I have so many wonderful miracles from preaching along these lines. The two biggest miracles, I guess, that I've ever seen in my, in my ministry came from preaching or ministering those verses of Scripture. They're just powerful. And I walked in their house and I gave them that Scripture. I gave them that Scripture. We prayed together first, we cried together first. I cried with them. I cry with people that cry. Is that okay? Yes. If they're crying, I'm gonna cry. I used to cry with all my grandbabies. Their, their parents thought I was crazy. <laughs> Who are you? You're not the dad that raised us. I said, You weren't as good as these kids are. <laughs> Grandbabies are just perfect. Right. And uh, so we cried together and we wiped our tears. I said, I got a word for you. And she looked at me and she said, Why? I said, I got a word. She you she was new to church. I said, I got a word for you. She said, What is it? I said, get your Bible. And, and she opened the Bible up. And I said, read that out loud to yourself, to it right, right here, right now. She read it out loud. She said, "Slammed that Bible shut. She said, okay, so I don't have to accept the doctor's report. I said, that's right, that's right. That's right, that's what that means. If you'll believe it in your heart. She said, well, I believe it right now. I'm done, okay. Dried her tears, she went on her way. A few days later, they brought her in for more testing because they were just trying to reaffirm everything. And a few days went by after that, they get a phone call from the doctor's office, Mrs. Fiesel, you need to come see us, left it on an answering machine. She didn't answer because she was out driving her truck. I'm not talking about a pickup, I'm talking about a dump truck. <laughs> Him and her were, were excavating, a ex- a- excavation It's a hard word for me to say. They were in ex- excavation and they had tractors and front end loaders and trucks, dump trucks. They had his and hers dump trucks. Hers was pink. <laughs> West Texas women are crazy. She drove her own pink dump truck. She's out driving. Here comes this, this big fine car. Her, her, her in laws were quite wealthy. Come driving across this dusty old field and where she's driving a truck and chased down that dump truck and said, Christina. The doctor's office is calling. They called me. They're trying to get a hold of you. They won't tell me anything, but they need, to, they need to talk to you. She said, well, what is it? They've got a report. She said, you call them back and tell them I've already got a report. I've got a second opinion. My baby's fine. She said, you've got to go call them. So she finally gets around the next day and she calls them. <laughs> there were several messages on her machine, she said. She finally got around to call them back. They said, Mrs. Fiesel, we need you to come in. She said, I'm not coming in. But she, they said, well, we've got a report on your baby, on your pregnancy. She said, I already got the report. She said, oh, so you know the baby's okay? She said, well, I know, I know from your point of view now, but God already told me my baby was okay. They said, the nurse, nurse said, don't tell anybody I told you, because <laughs> you're not supposed to do that, you know, apparently. The baby was okay. The first time I ever told that story in church... There was a baby crying and bugging me the whole time I was trying to preach this. (laughs) A baby was crying in the church, 400 people there, 500. And and this baby was in the church. I said, why don't they take that baby out? And I look over there, and it's that baby. (laughs) He was just helping me preach a message that was all about him. Amen. (laughs) Amen. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. I know you've had things go wrong. And I'm not scolding you for having things go wrong. I've had things go wrong. But my, my, my solemn obligation before God is to elevate your faith. To encourage you again to believe God for those dreams you once lost. And start praying about it again. Start giving thanks again. To lift your voice and say, I, I'm back. I'm back in the saddle, glory to God. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get what I prayed for. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to stand here until I see it happen because I'm giving thanks. And if I give Amen. thanks, then God is now obligated. That's my covenant partner. Amen. 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 Let's stand upon our feet. Stand upon our feet. And I'm going to encourage you to pray a prayer like that. Pray a prayer. About something you've let go, something you turned loose of, something you gotta keep in the in the heart, in the middle of your heart, giving thanks about. That big dream, mm-hmm. Dean, that big dream. That dream, yes, that dream that was birthed in you by the Holy Ghost in the middle of the night. That dream that woke you yes, up sir. and you saw money, and you saw power, and you saw ability to be used in the kingdom. You saw it. You saw it. God's going to restore every vital moment in the very beginning when He showed that to you. It's going to become real. Real again. Everybody hearing me? This is your word. This is your word too. In Jesus' name. I know it's in you to be big. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, it is. That's because when God does something... He creates something on the inside of you that looks like Him. That that's inside you does not look created. That that's inside you does not look like it's created. That that's inside of you looks like the Creator. That that's inside of you is bigger than all that's created. That's why nature has to bow its knee to you eventually if you'll stand in faith. If you'll stay there and stay in faith and keep saying, I thank you, my Father, for the answer to my prayer.